one man's journey to understand everything there is to know about sports has led to many losses, horrible gaming, mediocre questions, but the guests are cool, and videos where gaming and podcasts come on to show sports, mainly Quidditch and football, from a variety of different angles. Welcome to GameSide Chat. Hello world and welcome to a new GameSide Chat episode, which, as you know, is a gaming slash interview type podcast, which you can watch on YouTube as a video at Mr. Spaceman, or you can listen to your listening devices wherever you are. Just type in GameSide Chat and it should pop up as a podcast. Right, so today's guest is Eamon Harrison, and as you know, this man plays both as a player and is also a head ref a lot of the times. I think it's important. I really wanted to do this because I, I really think it's important for us to actually sit down and chat with refs, clarify certain issues, see their points of views. And, you know, sometimes we give them unwarranted <laughs> bad press, bad, um, ad, bad, bad words at them. But, you know, at the end of the day, we need to realize that they're players like us. And, you know, they are trying to help us. They are trying to make our sport more enjoyable. So yeah, the topics we will be discussing range from how to improve being a ref, how to improve you know your confidence, your positioning, your view in the game, how to deal with difficult players, how to deal with people trying to influence you. So the softer skills, uh, we're gonna do some rule clarifications, and also we'll be talking about what other stuff are planned to you know improve the refing core as a unit. But yeah. We'll be playing Left 4 Dead, as you will probably know, this video will not be out on YouTube because I tried a new setup and the video became patchy, so you'll be listening to it only as an audio form. So yeah, I hope you enjoy while we play Left 4 Dead 2. Right, so did you pick your character, so what are we doing? You picking a specific level? Uh, I just picked coach. And yeah, pick the pick a level that isn't the star level, <laughs> the first level. Like the first level of yeah, yeah. Okay, street sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, I picked my character. You picked yours. Yeah, we'll yeah. to start. And I guess while we're waiting to start, the first question that I want to ask you is: How long have you played Quidditch for, and why did you join? I've been playing since January or February twenty thirteen. So seven and a half years. Well, that sounds that sounds a lot more than I always think it is. Um, yeah. So I was. Uh, I was part of the Harry Potter Society, Harry Potter and Gin Society, as it was called. Ooh, scene. nice combo. Um, yeah, it was good. They, they got disbanded uh, a year or two later because they said they weren't allowed to have uh, the association with drinking. Ah, so, right. Just yeah, the Harry Potter Society. Um, but we did a pub Quidditch, just pub call with glorified. <laughs> I'm like Quidditch. Well, that's what Quidditch uh, is, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the the last round of that was a um it was it was the find the snitch round and basically someone had hidden a cardboard cutout of a snitch somewhere around St Andrews and they gave you a riddle and then one person from each house had to race for it. Um and so I was the only other two people on my team were asthmatic, so I had to had to race for the Hufflepuff. All right. Um, and the guy who was racing for Slytherin was the vice captain of the St. Andrews Quidditch team. <laughs> so when we eventually got to the stitch, he was like, you should come play Quidditch. And so I went along and yes, seven and a half years later, and I'm still, nice, nice. still going. Have you tried snitching in a proper environment or? Oh, no, not in a proper no, environment. No, yeah. I've done it in, in like some trainings as a, a bit of a joke. but Not your thing, huh? No, I'm not. I'm not agile enough for that. All right, nice, nice. And I guess how many teams have you played for? Uh, I think four now. So I started okay. at St Andrews, and then after I graduated, I moved down to Bath. Mm. Uh, Bath team didn't exist at that point, so played for Bristol. Okay. Played for them for a season or two, and then uh, moved to Taxes, which then became Tornadoes. Yeah. And was with them for. For a good amount of time, four years, three years, I think. Okay. Uh, and now I play. Well, last season I played for Edinburgh. Oh wow! So you you move all around 
the country, huh? Yeah, so I was I was even playing for tornadoes for a couple of years while I was living in Edinburgh, and that was a lot of all right a lot of traveling. So how did that happen? Are you just trying to be a journeyman, or what's going on? Uh, I was so um, started playing for tornadoes because I was uh, I'd graduated and it was uh, the Bristol team was very sort of coming to help. Oh no, stupid! Sorry. Yeah, go on, go on, go on. I mean, you're done. You can talk now. Yeah. Um, so the Bristol team was very, very student focused, mm. and that wasn't that wasn't quite my speed at that point. Okay. So the um, the taxes were what seemed a lot more sort of my kind of environment, a lot more uh, sort of rural graduates and kind of what was what was, was happening. On. Okay. Um, and yeah, just really enjoyed playing with that group of people. So even when I moved to Edinburgh, I kept playing for them. All right. So did you commute the trainings or did you just like, just show up? Yeah, it was, I, I tried to go to all the trainings. Even after, yeah, after a couple of years, I was on committee and our committee got quite small at one point. So I was having to go to trainings and I ended up doing some coaching, which is not at all what I what I should be doing. Right. Um. But yeah, after after a couple of years, all of the time on trains got a bit too much, so I started <laughs> playing for the Edinburgh team. Yeah, 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 nice, nice. So where are you based now, right now? Yeah, I'm still in Edinburgh now. Oh, okay, right, nice. And you said you're moving house. Are you moving house in the area, or are you moving somewhere else now? Yeah, just moving to the other side of the city. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah, a little bit closer into the town center, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, the area I'm living in at the moment, it does, it's just houses. There's no shops. There's nothing really going on. Ah. Uh, Fair. So going somewhere with a bit more, bit more liveliness. Living life, yeah. Fair. I mean, to be fair, if you have a car, it's. Uh... Oh no, I'm being surrounded. Yeah. Oh man, this game brings back so many memories. It's so enjoyable. Yeah. Definitely much worse though. So I <laughs> guess like the so main bad. part of why I invited you is I guess I wanted to ask you like, well, first of all, why the hell did you choose to be a, you know, a ref, and how did that come about? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, like, I've always been interested in, in the rules of sports. Like, I never I didn't watch much sport before I started playing Quidditch. I'm, I guess the main one I watched was rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always, always interested in, sort of, I would always watch the referees as they were going around and sort of I would pick up the rules quite quickly. Um, and that was part of what kept me interested. So when the opportunity came to start refereeing in Quidditch, I sort of fell, fell into it quite naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, started refereeing, uh, I think, a year and a half after I started playing. So All right, like okay, that's not, not a bad turnaround. No, uh, I think one of, the, one of the first things I did was I goal refed at uh, um, BQC1, in November 2013, I think that was probably the first time I started any kind of refing, and uh, yeah, I, I goal refed a uh, Banger versus Keel semi-final, and, which back in the day was quite a big <laughs> and uh, I, I was a bit worried that I, things might not go well for me if I made a dubious call right. but it was fine, everything turned out right. Okay, that's good, that's good uh, and yeah, so since then it's started um so once I started doing some refereeing, I got got the bug for it and kept going, yeah. uh, and sort of just moved moved my way up since there. So All right. So ho- tried tried my hand at everything, and uh, found that I liked pretty much all of it. So. So then you decided to stick as head coach, yeah? How's your main stuff? Sorry. Uh, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, so like, so how long do you reckon it takes for a person to be, you know, fully confident to be a head coach? Well, head ref. No, actually, wait, let's ask, let's go back. How long did it take you to be like more or less confident in your skills to be a, a head ref? It, it took quite a while. So um, I would, yeah, like I say, I think the first time I sort of assistant ref or anything was probably sort of the regionals that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the BQC one was was the end of twenty thirteen, and then the next BQC was the start of twenty fifteen. So it's all 
I think end of 2014, I went and refereed a couple of sort of smaller tournaments. I think L Cup L tournament in London, so London, Leicester, Loughborough, um, sort of small tournaments like that. And that was where I sort of got used to things. Okay. Um, a bit more. And uh, yeah, so even uh, I think I, I refereed quite a bit of like EQC 2015, which was in Oxford. And like, even though I was being given sort of quite a few games because I wasn't playing and, and some more high profile games than I'd had before, like, I still wasn't very confident in myself. Like, I may have been able to like communicate to like uh, make it look as though I was confident, but like half the time I was still unsure of what I was doing. And I guess it was just acting confident eventually made me feel confident. Yeah, fair. I mean, to be fair, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is confidence in refereeing, isn't it? Yeah, and it was it was very much a sort of fake it till I made it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like... Luckily, I I did make it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right, so I guess we need to start, because, you know, you obviously, you've... Oh, my God. It's a witch. I forgot about that. Oh, man. Silly mistake. Rookie mistake. Uh, What was I going to say? So, yeah, I was going to ask you. So, you know, give us some tips for a starting ref. I guess stuff you kind of wish you knew at the start. Yeah, so I guess one of the, the like sort of practical things that I would say is uh, most useful is whenever you're doing like scrimmages, I know scrimmages at training aren't a thing that really happen at the moment, but mm-hmm. hopefully sometime relatively soon we'll be able to, to get back to proper trainings and yeah. playing practice games. If you've got the people and you're interested in refing, offer to referee in those practice games like that's the kind of environment yeah. where you can you can do things and you can make lots of mistakes and it's not a problem like no one's going to really get angry you're not going to cost someone a medal or anything like it's a perfect environment to to get used to um, yeah true get used to refereeing yeah. uh, and then yeah uh, they they don't tend to happen so much anymore, but yeah, those smaller tournaments like I guess Battle Royale is is uh, one of them. Those kind of like club level tournaments, not the, the sort of big official QUK ones, um, with with fewer teams, mm-hmm. are, are a good place to get your um, get lots of practice in refereeing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because for me, I think like my only refereeing experience was. Um what's called you know the olympians tournament that we ran for uh yeah. for freshers yeah so that was the only time did someone trigger an alarm yeah that was me oh, i'm gonna no. go fetch the cola okay well we'll um do you need backup yeah i'm coming back oh up. no oh no oh no give me a second there's a bit of a horde situation here yeah did we manage to get the smoker guy? Yeah, I yeah, got good, it. good, 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 good. So yeah, so you would say that you know at first get your I guess cut your teeth in smaller tournaments where there's not much stakes involved, so you can make you know low pressure decisions and then yeah, kind of. Did you have that opportunity? And then if you are, yeah. So um, when I was yeah starting, I went to a lot of these uh, smaller tournaments and. You kind of have to put a bit of the effort in. You have to travel probably a bit more than you normally would yeah. for, for just playing. Um, and even sometimes you might have to sort of make a trade-off between choosing not to play at a tournament to get more effort. All right, yeah. Luckily, that wasn't something I didn't have to do too much, but um, it, it could be something that you have to make a decision think do. about. All right. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, yeah, when you are refereeing in these games, especially if you're assistant refereeing or stitch refereeing, talk to the um, talk to the head referee after the game and see if they've got any feedback for you. Okay. Uh, quite often, like I, I know I'm happy to do it with uh, referees that are, are on my crew when I'm running the games. I will uh, sort of give them some feedback on 
their positioning, sort of the kind of calls they were making, that kind of stuff. It's uh, especially if they're a relatively experienced okay. referee, they can give you a lot of advice. All right, fair. So, do you think a lot of the the refs are happy to do that, or? I think so. I think it's uh, the more experienced a referee is, the sort of more used to this kind of giving people feedback and asking for feedback that, mm. that they'll have experienced. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like if if you're a brand new referee and another brand new referee asks you what they did wrong, you might not feel as comfortable giving that feedback. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, to be fair, as especially as a head ref, it's like it's, you know, you very much depend on, you know, your assistant refs as well. Yeah. If they do a b bad job, there's a high chance you you're gonna do a bad job as well because you won't be seeing certain things. Exactly. Like the especially with uh, as the beta game gets sort of more and more manic and higher paced. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which it can be tough for an, an assistant referee coming in, but again, if you if you start in the practice environment where things are. A bit calmer, a bit slower paced. You'll get you'll mm -hmm. get the the thought processes that you have to go through down, and uh, yeah, be a lot more equipped to do it in the yeah. in the bigger games. Fair, fair. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Um, for example, you know, what do you do if um, you know, if let's say you're in a game and your assistant ref makes a call because they thought they saw this, but actually. They misread the situation, and but but you didn't see it. So what is the ref procedure on that? So if if you didn't see it and the, the your assistant ref is the only one that saw it and they're making the call, you have to trust their judgment on that. A lot of a lot of the refereeing, mm -hmm. especially in a crew of five referees that we we often have, is is about trusting the other people in that crew to make the decisions and make them right. Mm -hmm. So if if you don't see it. Then you trust their judgment 100%. If you later find out it was yeah. wrong, you go and have a conversation with them and work uh, with the others. Yeah. As well. But if, if, you, if you've both seen it, I think in the moment you have to sort of confidently overrule them, but without sort of making it sound like you're just yeah. no for yeah. the sake of saying no. You have to be like, no, I saw it. It did. The, the beat lay up out or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Just like respectfully tell them, like, no, I. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember there's a lot of there's a lot of times where there was a call and you know obviously if you're if you're in the opposite team that's got affected by it, you know you're paying very close attention. But I do appreciate the fact that you know as a ref you do have to trust your you know team ref mates yeah. more than you know what the sideline says. Yeah. Does it ever get hard? Does it ever get like when you know something was called, let's say an experienced ref was, you know, watching the clouds or something. And then everyone's like, oh, this was a clear beat. But they're like, no, I didn't see it. So what would you, yeah, what do you guys do there? Then? It's, it's a tricky one. Again, you just, you, you can only go off what you see and you can't take the yeah. opinions. So like I, I had an incident in a game at Northern um, where uh, a beater caught a beat that was thrown at them and then threw their bludger back to hoops. Uh, but the angle I was sitting at, or standing at, it made it look like the beat that was coming in at them and just hit them and, and bounced off. Uh, right. So, like, I made that call in the game. And then mm -hmm. after the game, when I realized, like, I knew I'd made the wrong call, I went to the player afterwards and was like, I'm sorry I made that call, but that was the way I saw mm -hmm. it. And so I had to go with that. And, like, even on the pitch, like, when I made the call, the player was like, what are you talking about? I caught it. And I was just like, no, back the hoops, you'll beat. And, like, even though, like, instantly I could, Right, maybe yeah. I made the wrong call, but that was what I saw, and I had to stick with it. Yeah, but I mean, it is a hard line to get because, on one hand, like they could be genuinely like, "No, what the hell are you talking about? I caught it." But also, they could be like, "Oh, come on, ref, that was definitely a catch," and like they're trying to, yeah. you know, lie to you a little bit. So you do have to, and especially if you start giving way, like it's easier to, you know, push against that. Then yeah, it's, as, as soon as a, a player yeah. sees that, like, especially well, not all players. There will be some players. Yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. As soon as they sort of get a feel that they can kind of manipulate the calls, they'll be they'll try and do it significantly more often, and that's just yeah. going to lead you into trouble. So you have to make the call. If you make a call and another assistant referee sort of saw the other angle of it and says no, then that's that's a situation where you can sort of back down from your call and go okay, this other referee yeah. saw it. Yeah. They, they had a better yeah. view than I did. But yeah, if, if it's you 
if, if it's your judgment as a referee, play a judgment, you have to back yourself every time. Yeah. Fair. Do you reckon it becomes a problem where, I guess, the more... I mean, I don't want to say more higher reputable players, but, like, if if you are a player that's been around forever... So, in theory, you should be knowing the game, yeah? yeah. But do you reckon they, they can sometimes influence the less experienced refs to give the call they want? Is that a problem that you're noticing, or...? Uh, so I don't know how much of it is, is happening intentionally. I think it might just be that sort of mm -hmm. as you're playing, you're sort of you're you're trying to win. You're eager to make sure that your the, the calls go yeah, right yeah, your yeah. team, and you can just as you're sort of talking to the referee about yeah. about a call, you can come across a bit a uh, bit strong, <laughs> maybe accidentally influence someone. So it's it's something that. Uh, yeah, players should be aware of. So, I mean, I even had an incident in one game. So I, I quite often act as speaking captains for the teams I want because you know I know the rules quite a lot. Um, so I've had a couple of situations <laughs> where I've, as a speaking captain, gone to the referee and said, "Actually, I think, or you're making this call. I think the the interpretation of the rules is like this. Like I, I think the rules say something slightly different to what you're saying there." And they've almost uh -huh. gone, oh, yeah, thank you, Eamon. Thanks for, for pointing that out to me. I, I didn't realize that. And I'm like, no, hang on. Don't, yeah, this yeah. isn't Eamon, like, gameplay director or sort of head referee trying to give you some feedback talking. This speaking yeah, yeah, the yeah. game talking. Take, this is just the player, yeah, yeah. Take my words with a, with a grain of salt and make your own <laughs> decisions. So. Does, it, does it ever get hard for you? Because I know you have to, you probably have to walk the line between... Like, because you know the rules well, and like, do you need do you need to walk that line carefully, or? Yeah, like especially like with some of the gray areas that there are in the in the rule book, you can. Yeah. Some players make a, a a good living off of knowing those gray areas and knowing how they can. Yeah. Uh, work around it, so it is it is something to be aware of. But yeah, generally, I just try and play uh, play as honestly as I can. As much of the time as I can, and yeah, trust the referees to to make the calls that they're going to make. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not yeah, saying I'm perfect by any means. There are some some occasions no. where, you know, in the heat of the game, you do something that you realize afterwards was a stupid idea. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's it's, de <laughs> it's definitely something that's that's in my mind when I'm playing. I've quite often You're like, Ooh, I've, I've shouldn't have done that. Or referees make the technically? worst players. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the referees know know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, it's yeah, because one of the questions uh, I don't know if you saw, but on Facebook I did put up a uh, Google form about you know if people have any questions for you because I think the conversations between yeah. refs and yeah, it was just like people they wanted to know if uh, you ever you know if, since you know the gray areas do you ever abuse them. I think I, I honestly I try as hard as I can not to, but I think there there may have been mm -hmm. a couple of instances in the past when that was maybe okay. in a high tension okay. game or get... something. But yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely not something I make a habit of playing. It's... Yeah, I mean I guess that's fair enough. You can't you can't be perfect all the time. We're not you know we're not professionals, are we? No, and I think I think yeah. as Quidditch gets bigger, we'll have more more opportunities for um, non-playing referees to be the sort of predominant yeah. Uh, yeah. body of referees in, in the sport. Um, and I think yeah. that will help improve things. Uh, so, do you know where we're going now? Uh, I think I'm a bit oh. lost. Found the charger! Oh, okay, I can see you. I'm pinned. Nice. Uh, also running out of bullets, which is a shame. Yeah, so but yeah, so I think it's really important for players, especially, to talk to refs because a lot of the times, you know, when the conversations are happening, it's very angry. And I mean, I am part of the problem as well. I had moments where I, you know, told refs what I think of them, and I guess that comes from the footballing background where it's kind of normalized. So I guess like it's nice that Quidditch does have a slightly different approach to it. Yeah, it does probably help a bit more. Yeah, so like I say. I the, the sport outside of Quidditch that I've watched the most is rugby, um, and 
one thing that I always take from rugby, especially compared to, to football, is the respect that uh, people have for the referees. Um, so, that, yeah, whenever I see a football game and I see different players crowded around the referee, just it just riles me up. So, yeah, I think it's very important for players to, yeah. to understand the kind of things that, like, refereeing is hard. It's it's just as hard as playing, but in different ways. Um, so yeah. it's, it's important to realize, as a player, that you may think like something's an obvious decision that the referee's got wrong, but it's it's not nearly as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, have, it is very strange. I wonder why it became normalized in football, but not normalized in other sports. Yeah, it's just it's yeah it's something. I would I would uh, uh, advise people to sort of be be more strict on if like if they're not sure which way to go, or on the side of, of mm. being slightly more strict. Um, yeah. So. How do you I guess walk that tolerance of I guess people talking back at you? And you know, no, this is this is you're taking this too far. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. So, I think I always like to think I'm strict on on people talking back. Uh, I'm I'm I definitely tend towards the warning people rather than cutting mm-hmm. people. And it's been a few times that I've looked back and I thought I absolutely should have not on the here. <clears throat> I absolutely should have uh, carded that player for <laughs> what they're saying. Um, but yeah, everything's everything's easier in retrospect, right? Yeah, fair. Oh man, this game is crazy to have like a normal chat. You know, yeah. it's uh, a little bit stressful. Do you need to heal? There's some healing stuff in the cabinet. Yeah. Wait, let me heal you. Oh no, Nick's being stolen. Oh Jesus. Nice. Oh. Ooh. Oh, there's a witch. Oh, God. Yeah, Katana ain't hurt. Nice. You good? Yeah. You good? Yeah, the sound's Yeah. Yeah, I think because if we're doing podcasts, I'm going to have to get rid of uh, the audio sounds because I think it's not the nice uh, listening experience to listen to a game, I guess, if you're watching it as a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh Right, some more questions. So how do you personally gain the confidence to be able to actually not talk back but not take people's shit? Yeah, that's 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 the, the real balance to find. So I guess it's important to remember that like you can't just <laughs> outright ignore players from the start. You have to like especially if it's like the first couple of times players talking to you or something. You have to let them say something. You can't just completely cut the player out of the game because otherwise they'll feel like, what's the point in me doing any of this, like behaving and playing by the rules if the referee's not going to listen to me anyway? And so it sort of just uh, leads to hear players out mm-hmm. to start with. And then as soon as you realize that they're taking it too far or they're saying something that uh, sort of you don't want to let fly, you have to sort of calmly but quickly shut them down and say no i've made the call this is what the call is oh god i think i'm dead here um yeah i'm gone yeah yeah charger got me oh you're actually gone Uh, i'll I'll come back soon enough i'm sure yeah you have to sort of quickly but quickly sort of stop the player shut them down and without sort of screaming at them and shouting at them you just have to say no, I made my decision. This yeah, is what yeah, the call yeah. is. I'm not going to get on with the game. If if it's a, a player who isn't the speaking captain and they're really getting too much, you can then say, no, I really want speaking captains to talk to me. Everything has to go through speaking captain. You can sort of distance the player from you a little bit that way. Yeah, is that something you guys teach or is that just something that comes with experience, you reckon? We do try and teach it. So um, we, we were running some referee workshops uh, last season before everything went sideways with the meeting in public yes. and yeah it's it's something we try and sort of teach people in these in these workshops but it's one of the things that's hard to it's hard to teach it's it's only something you can truly yeah. truly understand fully by experiencing it in a game yeah 
Um, so again, that's that's where finding some low stakes yeah. tournaments to. You got to get some bruises along the way until uh, you know okay. you get a hang of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's a hunter there. I don't like that. <sighs> Good stuff. Yeah. So go on. Um, I did hear that you're doing more stuff with uh, the workshop. So what 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 new stuff are planned? You know, for the future seasons, I guess. Uh, so the, the in terms of yeah, uh, the big thing I've got planned is uh, so if uh, if you've ever seen me refereeing in the last couple of seasons, you'll probably have noticed that a lot of the time I have a GoPro on uh, filming from my uh, GoPro mounted on my chest filming the games. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what my plan is is to use the footage that I'm getting from there to give referees a, a perspective of like what things actually look like from the referee's point of view in the middle of the game. Ooh, that's actually really cool. So yeah, a lot of the time, like, so a, another thing that referees can do if they they're trying to get practice but uh, real life Quidditch isn't happening at the moment, then you can sort of watch games back mm -hmm. on YouTube. Uh, what you can try and do is uh, mute the game. And make the pretend you're the referee. Make the calls as the game is happening, and see if they line up. All right. Line up with what the referee is doing. Um. But the, the, the normal sort of camera angles that games happen from are very useful because you're it's often uh, from the sideline and sometimes a bit higher. Yeah. So you don't really get a sense of exactly what's happening in in the middle of the pitch. And yeah. All of the, uh, uh, you you miss out on some of the details. Uh, like show people like this is what a tackle from behind looks like when you're the referee standing in the middle of the pitch. And... So my main thought is uh, to run a sort of online seminar, I suppose, um, where we go through these, we sort of get a group of people, we all go through them together, and sort of play it once. People have to make a call because you only ever get to see it once in a real game. Uh, and then once people have an idea of what they think might be going on, go back, play in slow mo, stop it, oh God, um, stop it at certain points, yeah. and then yeah. you can you can see more accurately uh, if the call you made was right, or not. and then we can agree. So, pardon me, uh, going forward from there, but like everyone now knows that this is what this kind of foul looks like. For so, do you reckon that's going to be a part of the? Um qualifications for the refs or is that just planned to be just a teaching aid at the moment just a teaching aid. I'd, I'd love it if eventually we can get some kind of uh kind of like the hazard perception test and i mean test where you sort of yeah, 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 yeah i was gonna say click yeah. every time you see a foul like that would be something i'd love to see but uh, i think we need yeah uh lots more footage and sort of bigger variety of footage to get that to work and yeah uh, testing is all controlled by the IQA at the moment centrally so uh need them to work on it as well yeah fair because one of the questions i was going to ask you is uh, do you actually uh help out with uh you know the rule book because you know it up upgrades every so often do you actually help a little bit on that or is it the different committee that works on it so yeah there's there's a, a an IQA um group that works specifically on the, on the, wall, the rule book. I wasn't part of it this time around for the, the rule book that's coming out, uh, hopefully pretty soon actually. Um, but I was on it for the, the previous two. Mm -hmm. um, yes, yeah, so that, that was an interesting experience. It was, I think at the moment, the, the kind of process is very much, we've got a rule book at the moment existed, that exists and it works pretty much. There might be a few things that some people disagree with, so we'll go through them We'll improve them, we'll make some changes, maybe try and sort of fix mm -hmm. a couple of things while we're at it. Um, but uh, I think something I'd be interested in seeing, uh, like for me, the rule book just keeps getting longer and longer. There was a there was a good effort a couple of years ago that cut it down yeah. by 20%, 30%, but it's still over 150 pages. And like, yeah, I get Quidditch is, it's a complicated yeah. game, but it feels I mean, like the rule book is just really big and inaccessible true uh, yeah i mean a lot of the times you do see as like some weird technicalities that like very almost never happen in games yeah. and you're like why am and i reading about yeah, this it's very much a case of it happened once in i a guess that's something somewhere so they had to put a rule in to fix it like the all right about, um, if right. a bludger pops on the end of someone's broom does it count as a catch or not like that happened in a game so they had to put a rule in to 
we'll cover it. Uh, All right. So, which is yeah, it feels like instead. So of does it count six, as a catch? No, it doesn't. Which is rough. <laughs> Just always wear have like a little uh, sharpened edge on the boom. No, oh, that's yeah. all safe, yeah. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> right, mate. Do you want to push through together? These guys are useless. Yeah, I was also going to ask you. So, you know, I remember ages ago I asked Sam because Sam played forever. What was the rule that, you know, used to exist that doesn't exist anymore that you kind of miss, I guess, both in a more, you know, useful scenario and more in a fun one? Because Sam did mention something about, uh, you know, you can't shout hexes and he found it yeah. funny. But do you have a rule like that that used to be there and I it's mean, not the there anymore? So I miss most is that uh, as a speaking captain, you can't just wander onto the pitch in the middle of the game. And it was quite fun to be able to yeah. just like walk up to the referee and go, actually, can can you watch out for this or something? Like, as a speaking captain, I miss that. As a referee, not so much. It's, it's definitely useful to be able to say, <laughs> go get back in your box until I call the rooms down. Um, oh, wait. So you could do that during the game or you can't? I'm so you used sure. to be able to, during play, just one if you were the speaking captain you weren't limited to being in the substitution box when you were not actively in play so you could just wander around all right wow uh which was uh wow things a bit difficult because occasionally you could get like a, an extra player on the pitch for one team because the speaking captain was just wandering around being a nuisance yeah that's definitely something that'll be quite distracting yeah. for a ref Especially if you're trying to count, you know, count gender, count players on the pitch, you'd be just like, what? Yeah. Um, but as, as nice. for the more whimsical ones, I don't think that was... I didn't start playing until after a lot right. of the, like, cape, the red and yellow wands instead of red and this, yellow the, cards. The silly rules. They, they were all gone when I started, so... Ah, <laughs> oh, shame, shame. Do you like? Uh, is there any rule that like it's technically you know by the rule book it says it, but you absolutely hate to enforce it? Um, I guess like the the one I can think of is uh, it was a, probably a mistake by me, but like back in a, a game I refereed at World Cup, I I disallowed a catch because uh, the subs bench were slightly on the pitch when the catch happened, even though they were nowhere near. Um, oh what. Uh, it was yeah. Technically, they were encroaching on the pitch. Oh, well, technically, yeah, correct. Yeah. So, but you had to make that call. Yeah, I think I probably could have gotten away with like no harm, no foul. But it was it was the call I made at the time. All right. Definitely shouldn't have been that call. All right. Did you have um? Did you have the option to be like, ah, eh, well, they didn't affect play. I think I did. So I it's fine. The, okay. The assistant referee that brought it to my attention was like, "No, it's they were on the pitch, so it's a yellow card for the speaking captain, and therefore we disallowed the catch." Okay. Oh wow, damn, harsh. I mean, to be fair, I at the same time, it is a very stupid thing to be caught out by because it is your fault yeah. that you get caught on. You know, you didn't drag him on the pitch, and it's like, ah, uh, 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 you know, you don't catch yeah, it. <laughs> but still. Yeah, to be fair, I do notice, especially me, because I have this, you know, in football, how, you know, the refs, they have a box where they can walk around and all the time they're not there. They're walking on the yeah. pitch somewhere like I tend to do that. So I'm just wondering how uh, how much I can cheat that system before you guys notice it. I'll be thinking my <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the only reason I do it is because, you know, I think it makes me look cool. But apart from that, I don't know how much. You know how much that extra meter actually brings to you. Yeah, I mean it, it makes all the difference when you've got to shouting. Yeah. It's onto the pitch to contest a call anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the questions do come from the fact that we do need to have more communications with actually the refs because for us, as with any sport, you know the refs are like the refs should know everything. You know the refs should see everything. The refs should be everywhere and. You know, we forget that first of all, you don't get you're not professional, and also you're not you know all seeing people. And I feel like Quidditch is the sport where you do need VAR, you do need like virtual assistant refs to to actually help. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh it's one of those things that like there's just so much happening in the game as well that I think having the video assistant referee could be really helpful, but. It, We'd have to be very careful about how 
uh, how it could get oh, used yeah. because if the game was getting stopped every twenty seconds to get the to get yeah, it already gets stopped exactly, every time. Yeah, we don't want so to, I can imagine don't it gets longer. Disrupting the flow of the game. Like my favorite game is a game like to re- my favorite game to referee is a game where I don't have to make any calls as a referee. Don't like don't have to call rooms down for stoppages. Like that's that's the ideal thing. Mm-hmm. If everything can be handled as no harm no foul or just a back to hoops. I mean, obviously, if you if there's something you need to card, you have to card it. But like if you can keep the game flowing as a referee yeah. and just keep the action going. It, it makes the game a lot more enjoyable for the referee, the players, and anyone watching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it is... Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more interesting to see because I've seen some refs that stop at every something. Like, you do something small, and then, like, that's it, it's a foul. We need to talk and discuss it. I'm like, well, I just made a small thing. Just send him back to hoops, and we're good. You know? Yeah. So I do, I do believe that flow is important as well. Yeah. So, um, I I also need to ask you this. Um, you know how sometimes technically in the rule books it says to do something, but do you ever just uh, let it go because a it's uh, either a fresher, or b maybe it's because like well it's technically it didn't affect play so like you just give them off of the warning. Yeah. So I think for the the fresher thing, I think it really depends on what tournament you're at. If it's a BQC or EQC or something like World Cup, then no. like. They, yeah. they should know, especially at something like World Cup, they should know by that point. Oh, but no, yes. Yeah. I don't know. The pool stages, pool stages at regionals, yeah, I can, uh, mm-hmm. I can understand that a lot more. Um, if yeah. it's something that didn't affect play, I'd say that like, the thing that all new referees should remember is that no harm, no foul applies to pretty much everything. I think there's a couple of exceptions, maybe around sort of, uh, excessive force or, or egregious play or something like that but pretty much everything else you can call no harm no foul on yeah and it's yeah it's such a useful tool to uh to make sure that the game the game keeps flowing yeah fair also uh one of the questions also was asked like i feel like a lot of the questions have been mixed in with um my own questions and some questions i got from 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 people i guess um what's it called so one of the questions was how do you deal with you know you should do this rule so for example one suggestion was you should um you know the broom should be flat on uh, brooms up or seekers should report 70 minutes after the game starts so how do you actually tackle those so the the 17 minutes one like as long as they're there at 18 minutes, or if they if they get there after 18 minutes, they go to the scorekeeper table before they start trying to uh, run onto the pitch and play. That's fine. Like, there's no like the, the rulebook doesn't say you have to uh-huh. be okay. at, the rule, at the scorekeeper table at a certain time. Like it doesn't have to be 17 minutes before or 16 and a half minutes before or anything like okay. that. Um, so as long as as long as you're there before the secret floor starts, and if you're if you're not, then you, you as long as you go to the table before you run onto the pitch. Oh, jockey. Um, and like the broom's flat on the floor. Okay, thing, okay. That's kind of just a. Okay, that's fair. If you're if you're the referee that's looking at that line on brooms up, you kind of just say pre broom down, pre broom down. If they don't, then then you can, if it was egregious enough, you can decide to uh, flag that up as a, a false start. But yeah, most of the time, like, if their okay, room is right. within a couple of inches of the floor, it's not going to make a huge difference to them getting the ball. It's Yeah, it's only if they're like half stood up already. Yeah. That you really need to worry. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Yeah, because that is a hard thing. It's like you can be technical and like, oh, in the rule book it says this, so that's probably what does it say in the rule book? Would that be a blue card or is that not even the rule book? Yeah, I think it would be a blue card for a false start. Yeah, I mean to be fair, it takes real experience to be able to say, you know, what's a foul and what's, you know, what's a, yeah, they didn't mean harm or, you know, something like that. So we're, uh, how much time is there? One more level up to this. I think this might be the end of the chapter. Just need to fuel up the car. Ooh, nice. Oh my god, just three more. Is that a tank? 
Oh, Jesus. So stressful. I like how... How is he so tanky? Yeah. Are you down? I need Got it. Are you up? Are you okay? Are you alive? I like how all the other games prior to this are kind of simple. You can have time to actually chill out, you know, relax. But this is just like, nope, zombies. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely the podcast version on Spotify will definitely be without the yeah. <laughs> without the audio, without the game audio. I think just, just chatting. Yes. Yeah. So I guess the last question I do have written on paper actually oh heal me please is uh someone asked me to ask you about your dog yeah so yeah my dog is called fluke he's a lurcher and about uh, three and a half years old he's come along to a couple of quidditch things uh, a couple of events um qpl in edinburgh <laughs> man i love the i love the obsession we have with uh, dogs in the sport yeah it's quite nice not gonna lie there are worse things to have like you know be happy with yeah uh, or is, is that a, is that something you have to do because i feel like i notice a lot of i guess players that play quidditch for longer they do have dogs is that just something because you know as you get experience with with quidditch you can now handle dogs or what's the plan <laughs> uh, yeah, my girlfriend is a big a big fan of dogs, so she was very keen mm. as soon as we got our own place to uh, to get a dog. Um, so yeah, once we moved up to Edinburgh, we uh, we rescued him, and uh, yeah, he's he's currently sitting on the sofa wrapped up in a blanket because he is a very spoiled dog. Oh, nice, very, nice. Very precious about having comfy things to lie. Uh, mate, where are you? We're kind of getting all wrecked here. I'm looking, I'm looking for fuel cans. Oh man, we're not really good at this game, are we? <laughs> There's a tank coming at you. There's a tank coming at you on your right. Oh Jesus. Uh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that might be us. Yeah, we did. Oh, oh so no, close. we failed. Oh, yeah. Are we going to be sent all the way to the back, or what the hell? Yeah. Oh, no. Right. I mean, to be fair, I've covered all the questions, I guess. How long has the recording been going on? Yeah, just under an hour. Yeah, okay. To be fair. Do you think we've covered a lot of the stuff? A lot of the more important stuff? I think so. Man, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and I think it's, you know, especially for a football player like myself, I think it's important to be able to actually speak with the ref, you know, on the... This is probably the first time I've spoken to a ref like in a calm and collected manner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I think it's important for everyone to remember that like as much as during a game, like the referee is the authority figure and like yeah. you, you have to speak to them respectfully and everything, like at the end of the day, almost all referees in Quidditch are players or were players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like the reason they're doing it is because they love the game. Um yeah, well, I think, yeah. I think one of the and questions fair, was, got... was, was, do I enjoy refereeing? And like, yeah, I enjoy mm -hmm. refereeing. That's why I do it. If I didn't enjoy refereeing, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's such a stressful job. Like, why would you want to do it uh, if you don't love it? You know, you don't get that much money, do you? No, it's like the, the <laughs> nice. It's it's a it's a good way of saying thank you for yeah. for what you're doing, but it's it's not like enough to be the primary factor. Like, yeah, yeah. If we could pay more, like. As QUK to referees, I would absolutely want us to pay more. But like, yeah. At the moment, all of, all of our funding comes from people pay, paying pay membership fees and tournament fees. So if we want yeah. to invest more, we have to charge people more. And it's, it's but you know, but at, but at the same time, I think if if the salaries do improve, I think the um, the demand not demand, but the um, I guess what people expect from the refs will be growing as well. So I think that's important. Yeah, and uh, so like. As well as the sort of various training things I'm doing at the referees at the moment, I think the other thing that I'm, I would be really keen to work on is getting this consistency of refereeing like throughout the country and across Europe, across the world, like trying to get it so that no matter where you go in the world, you get refereeing quidditch and you're expecting roughly the same kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. pardon me, sorry. There's, a, there's a, a bit of a meme at the, in, at the moment that. European refs are really strict and 
they, they call you on stupid little things all the time. It's like, <laughs> okay, maybe they're too strict on some things and maybe we're too relaxed on things. Like, we need to work work together as referees around the world to, to yeah, find a, yeah, a common brand that everyone can agree on. Yeah. But I guess, like, one of the things I do want to leave, I guess, people who are listening as well is the fact that, like, a lot of times, you know, if you, if you, there will be disagreements between players and refs, but, you know, if you, at the end of the game, you should be able to shake hands with the ref, you know. Yeah. I've done things where I was shouting at refs and then game over is like, oh, mate, hey, sorry about that. You know, I just lost my shit. You know, <laughs> it's got nothing on you. It's just I can't, you know, I'm a, I'm a child. I can't control my emotions sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying and, to work on it. But And, and similarly, yeah. as a referee, you should be able to admit to a player that, okay, maybe that call I made was the wrong call. I think yeah, yeah. think more carefully about that. But like, yeah, it, but it is right. It's a, it's a, yeah. But it's difficult because I feel like some people will take that as weakness. That's also like it's a hard thing to say because like oh you know it was a mistake. He's like ah I see Eamon makes mistakes a lot so I was like haha that's it you know. Yeah, yeah. If there's, if there's one thing I will definitely admit is that I make mistakes. I'm a <laughs> referee as much as I'm like, constantly trying to get better. I'm definitely not perfect. Yeah, I mean you are do you are one of the better ones. I do rate you. I think that's why I don't I never shouted at you. I remember disagreeing with you a few times, but in a more respectful manner. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so what we're going to do now is um, I think it's time for us to end. Okay. We've recovered all the topics. So, yeah. So thanks for coming. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for, thanks for playing Left 4 Dead with me. It's always good fun. <laughs> no, no. Thanks you, man. Thank you. <laughs> right. I will talk to you later then. With this, we conclude another episode of Gameside Chat that we recorded with Eamon Harrison. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it clarified certain things from the refing side. I hope it showed what things is being put in place. And yeah, I hope you didn't find it too boring. And I hope I answered the questions that you wrote down for me on Google Form. I think I covered them all. I might have missed a few. But you know, we tried to keep it at a reasonable time. But yeah, as always, do tell me if you want specific questions asked or if you want me to cover specific people. You know, I try to make this as interesting as possible. So yeah, thank you for watching and I'll see you in the next episode of Gameside Chat.